welcome to the Underclass Podcast with Austin Picard. I'm an independent researcher who can't stomach being lied to on a daily basis by the mainstream media, while we live in a fracturing society launched into parallel realities, falling perfectly onto the two sides of the political spectrum. I remain in the underclass. June 5th, 1968. New York Senator Robert F. Kennedy had just won the California and South Dakota state primary elections, and he was on his way to securing the Democratic nomination for president in order to challenge the policies of the Lyndon B. Johnson administration. One last stop at the Ambassador Hotel, where he addressed his campaign supporters, and then back on the trail to Chicago. So, uh, my thanks to all of you, and now it's on to Chicago, and let's win there. Thank you The most comprehensive overview I could find comes from an article at Flagpole.com with the title, The Real Story of the Assassination of Robert F. Kennedy, and perfectly documents the tragic events that night. RFK's assassination took place shortly after midnight on Wednesday, June 5, 1968, as RFK walked through a crowded food preparation area, better known as the Kitchen Pantry, in the Ambassador Hotel on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles, California. This hotel was closed in 1989 and torn down in 2005. Six public schools, named the Robert F. Kennedy Community Schools, now stand on the site. The alleged assassin, Sirhan B. Sirhan, a 24-year-old Palestine-born non-Muslim with Jordanian citizenship, was one of approximately 77 persons in the pantry waiting for RFK to pass through on his way to a press conference. When the senator entered, Sirhan pulled out an eight-shot .22 caliber revolver, pointed it at the senator, and fired eight times. Sirhan was immediately seized by bystanders, wrestled to the floor, and turned over to the police when they arrived. Six persons in the pantry received bullet wounds. Three bullet wounds struck RFK. One bullet lodged in his spine near the neck, another bullet exited his chest, a third bullet, the fatal one, entered his head. A fourth bullet passed harmlessly through his clothing. The other five victims were shot non-fatally. Sirhan's California State Court trial for the murder of RFK began on February 13, 1969, ended two months later on April 17th when the jury found Sirhan guilty. The trial judge imposed a death sentence, reduced to life imprisonment by the California Supreme Court in 1972. Incarcerated now for 51 years, Sirhan is still serving that sentence.
The official narrative to this very day has remained that Sirhan was a Palestinian who was purely motivated by his anti-Zionist beliefs and due to RFK's support of sending 50 bombers to Israel, made him act out engaging in politically driven violence. In our effort to reevaluate the forensic evidence combined with eyewitness accounts, updated ballistics, and armed with the powerful weapon of hindsight, we reopen the case that is far stranger than fiction. According to the Washington Post, reports of witness intimidation, corrupt prosecutors, and LAPD tampering with evidence, including completely destroying over 2,000 photographs of the crime scene, 3,000 witness interview tapes recordings also destroyed. Many of the remaining witness interview tapes were provided with written transcripts that did not at all correspond. A total of 14 bullets were recovered and photographed from the scene, lodged all over the room, including the ceiling, baseboards, and door jams, which also went mysteriously missing from police evidence. Multiple eyewitness accounts made claims of a second shooter that night in the pantry of the Ambassador Hotel. One forensic scientist by the name of Robert Jolling studied this case for almost 50 years and co-authored a book with audio engineer Philip von Prague, who had gotten a hold of the 2004 audio recording from a CNN reporter named Brad Johnson who had been digging into the police case file archives. This was the proverbial smoking gun. This was the only recording of the actual shooting that had ever been discovered. Van Prague used state-of-the-art technology to slow down the audio recording in order to limit ambient noise and counted 13 shot impulses coming from an 8-shot revolver. According to the official story, Along with many eyewitness accounts from the pantry, Sirhan was never closer than three to six feet away from RFK and was also in front of him when he took out his revolver and began frantically pulling the trigger. The autopsy report performed by famous medical examiner and coroner for L.A. County, Thomas Noguchi, concluded that, quote, the fatal shot was fired into the back of Kennedy's head behind the right ear from an upward angle, and from a distance of no more than half an inch to three inches away. Not quite the open and shut case we've been led to believe by our friends in the Mockingbird media, huh? It's clear to me that the official narrative of a lone gunman acting out of personal, politically driven hatred is a pathetic attempt to sweep the facts of the case down the memory hole. It's safe to say... Only five years after the death of Jack Kennedy and two months after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., the American people had lost their appetite for the obvious political purge taking place, betraying the destiny of an entire nation. The Boston Globe, April 29, 2011. Quote, Sirhan's lawyers argue mind control plot. Lawyers for convicted assassin Sirhan Sirhan said in new legal papers that he was manipulated by a seductive girl in a mind control plot to shoot Senator Robert F. Kennedy, and his bullets did not kill the presidential candidate. The documents filed this week in federal court and obtained by the Associated Press detail extensive interviews with Sirhan during the past three years, some done while he was under hypnosis. 
The papers point to a mysterious girl in a polka dot dress as the controller who led Sirhan to fire a gun in the pantry of the Ambassador Hotel. But the documents suggest a second person shot and killed Kennedy while using Sirhan as a diversion. For the first time, Sirhan said under hypnosis that on a cue from the girl, he went into, quote, range mode, believing he was at a firing range and seeing circles with targets in front of his eyes. I thought that I was at the range more than I was actually shooting at any person, let alone Bobby Kennedy, Sirhan was quoted as saying during interviews with Daniel Brown, a Harvard University professor and specialist in trauma, memory, and hypnosis. He interviewed Sirhan for over 60 hours, with and without hypnosis, according to the legal brief. The question's clear. Who was the second gunman? Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He addressed this question in a personal post from his social media account, September 12, 2019. Zane Eugene Cesar died today in the Philippines. Compelling evidence suggests that Cesar murdered my father. On June 5, 1968, Cesar, an employee in a classified section of Lockheed's Burbank facility, was moonlighting as a security guard at the Ambassador Hotel. He had landed the job about one week earlier. The czar waited in the pantry as my father spoke in the ballroom, then grabbed my father by the elbow and guided him toward Sirhan. With 77 people in the pantry, every eyewitness said Sirhan was always in front of my father at a three to six feet distance. Sirhan fired two shots toward my father before he was tackled. From under the dog pile, Sirhan emptied his eight-chamber revolver, firing six more shots in the opposite direction, five of them striking bystanders and one going wild. By his own account, Cesar was directly behind my dad, holding his right elbow with his own gun drawn when my dad fell backwards on top of him. Cesar repeatedly changed his story about exactly when he drew his weapon. According to the coroner, Dr. Thomas Noguchi, all four shots that struck my father were contact shots fired from behind my dad with the barrel touching or nearly touching his body. Cesar sold his 22 to a co-worker weeks after the assassination warning him that it had been used in a crime. Cesar lied to police claiming that he disposed of the gun months before the assassination. Cesar was a bigot who hated the Kennedys for their advocacy of civil rights for blacks. I had plans to meet Thane Eugene Cesar in the Philippines last June until he demanded a payment of $25,000 through his agent, Dan Moldea. Ironically, Moldea penned a meticulous and compelling indictment of Cesar in a 1995 book and then suddenly exculpated him by fiat in a bizarre and nonsensical final chapter. Police have never seriously investigated Cesar's role in my father's killing. End quote. Further investigation into Thane Eugene Cesar and his connections to the highest level of organized crime syndicates working inextricably with intelligence at the time, including a direct connection to Robert Mayhew, who was ex-FBI, former CIA, and at this time had been, according to evidence, presented in a Lie Too Big to Fail by Lisa Peace, 
He was tasked with running CIA cutout operations, which was an espionage tactic used to commit illegal actions without being officially linked to the CIA, providing plausible deniability. Now our focus shifts back to the seductive girl in the polka dot dress with claims of mind control manipulation. With the search for the Manchurian candidate end at the Ambassador Hotel, June 5th, 1968. 25 people witnessed a woman in a polka dot dress. 13 of the 25 saw her with Sirhan in the pantry moments before the shooting started. 19-year-old Vincent DePiro, a waiter at the hotel, said in his statement, When I first saw him, there was a girl behind him too. He described her as shapely between the ages of 20 and 25 and wearing a polka dot dress. An elderly couple were interviewed by Sergeant Paul Shiraga, and they told him that they were on the embassy room balcony when a young couple, early 20s, came running from the direction of the embassy room shouting, We shot him! We shot him! George Green, another witness, said he saw a girl in a polka dot dress flee the scene with a man after the shooting. Sandra Serrano had the most detailed eyewitness account, and in her statement said it was a very hot night, so she had stepped out onto an external staircase around 11.30 to get some air. About five minutes later, she saw one woman and two young men walking up the stairs toward her. She even noticed that one of the men, assumed to be Sirhan, needed a haircut. The other man was in a gold sweater, and the woman was wearing a white dress with black polka dots. They passed her and went into the embassy room, and Sandra quickly forgot them. Maybe 30 minutes later, the girl in the polka dot dress rushed back to the staircase, basically stepping on Sandra, who told the detectives the woman said, We've shot him! We've shot him! Sandra responded, Who did you shoot? And the woman said, We shot Senator Kennedy! She came running down the stairs, and the boy in the gold sweater came running down after her. Sirhan had been very cooperative leading up to his trial in 1969, but he claimed to have absolutely no memory of anything that happened, a genuine sense of amnesia that no one seemed to understand. A professor by the name of Dr. Bernard Diamond, expert in psychology, law, and criminology, was brought in to put Sirhan into a hypnotic trance in order to have him relive the event under hypnosis. According to an article in the Daily Mail, published May 27, 2018, by Tim Tate and Brad Johnson, quote, Who was with you when you shot him? asked the professor. Sirhan wrote on a piece of paper, Girl, the girl, the girl. His only other recollection was of being choked by someone on a table in the pantry. This had indeed taken place. One of the men escorting Kennedy had grabbed him in a headlock to try and stop him pumping out more bullets. But Sirhan couldn't recall shooting the senator. Nor could he remember ever writing anything about wanting to kill him. This also struck Diamond as strange. Not long after the shooting, police had found a notebook at Sirhan's home in which he'd written, RFK must die, RFK must be killed, Robert F. Kennedy must be assassinated. Still in a trance, Sirhan started making scribbles on the paper. When asked why he was doing this, he wrote, 
practice, 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 practice. Practice for what? asked the professor. Mind control, mind control, mind control, mind control, wrote Sir Han. Diamond wasn't sure what to make of this. Above all, he was puzzled by the fact that whenever Sirhan came out of a trance, he was unable to remember anything about the shooting. At further sessions, Diamond used a technique called post-hypnotic suggestion to implant instructions in Sirhan's mind. I said, you're asleep now, and when you wake up, I'm going to take my handkerchief out and you're going to feel that you're going to climb around the bars of the cell like a monkey, he recalled. This worked like a dream. As soon as Diamond took, da- took out his handkerchief, Sirhan started climbing up the bars of the cell all the way to the ceiling and perched himself up there. Afterwards, he had no memory of either being hypnotized or performing a monkey routine. Jerry Capehart told his son that he had worked for the CIA on mind control experimentation in the 60s. He was married at the time to a woman named Elaine Neal, who, according to her third husband on the anniversary of the assassination every year, she would pull out a box on top of her cabinet and wear an old white dress with black polka dots. The Manchurian Candidate, written by Richard Condon, adapted into film directed by John Frankenheimer, was the original film released October 24, 1962, the story of a covert communist plot to kill the president. Frankenheimer had originally sought out JFK's approval of the film due to the heightened state of the political climate in America at the time. Jack urged him to follow through with the project anyway. By November 22, 1963, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. The film was pulled out of circulation until 1987, almost 25 years later. According to Peter Lavenda, author of Sinister Forces, five years later in 1968, Frankenheimer is giving a dinner party for Robert Kennedy. Attending the dinner party is Robert Kennedy, four of his children, and his wife, as well as Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Within 24 hours, Bobby Kennedy would be assassinated. This was his last supper, Lavenda proclaimed in an interview with James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. That was the evening of the election where he won the California state primary and then back to the hotel where he gave the famous last speech on to Chicago. Moments later, he was murdered. Like I said, stranger than fiction. (laughs) 